Welcome to the Babysitter's Fight Club, where the first rule is you don't talk about Fight Club. Instead, you talk about the battle spot and the lessons learned by the people that grew up with the Babysitter's Club series of books by Anna Martin. Yes. I don't know. Why not? I'm Brooke Sukamel. And I'm KK Brady. Oh, we missed you all. We're happy to be back. Yay. Yeah. So with our last episode on Troop Beverly Hills, we said that we didn't know how long it would be, but that it probably wouldn't be the full like three months in between episodes that we had had previously. And instead, it's been like, you know, almost a year. You know what? Life be life and Suffice it to say, there have been some uh, health challenges that I've been dealing with that I haven't fully processed yet, and so therefore will not be processing on this podcast. (laughs) However, I'm really excited that I'm in a space now where, you know, I had the capacity and the ability to discuss another hallmark of, I know, your childhood, KK. Brooke, you have no idea. You know, I was going to say, my name is KK Brady. I'm a therapist who unfortunately was raised by HBO, parented by HBO. And this is a good example of my HBO parenting, Teen Witch. And the fact that you just started that by saying you're a therapist who was parented by HBO, I wonder what the parented by HBO to therapist pipeline is. (laughs) It's got to be like 80%. It's got to be like 80% of people that were raised by HBO are now therapists um, because we got to be. We have no other choice. And I hope the rest are in therapy actively because (laughs) as you will get into with our episode on today's movie, uh, yeah, it's going to leave you with some things to unpack if you internalize (laughs) some of these messages. So we are discussing the one and only Teen Witch. One of the best, worst 80s movies of all time slash Halloween movies. We've talked about Teen Witch on this show a few times before. Yes. We get into it in depth the most. I went and I look back. It was our episode on book 23 of the Babysitter's Club, Dawn on the Coast, because that book came out in April 1989, which is when Teen Witch came out. It had a budget of like 2.5 million. And guess how much what? it made when it was in its... Wait uh-huh. a sec. Wait, I just try to imagine what they spent 2.5 million on, but I digress. <laughs> this, is, this just goes to show you how, <laughs> how much of Hollywood is money laundering. <laughs> This this I think this movie is a great example of, of money was, laundering. Uh, my guess is half of that is Zelda Rubenstein's salary because she was probably the only <laughs> famous actor. Zelda Rubenstein was the person that played. Wait, what was her name? Madam Madam Serena. <laughs> Madam Serena. So Madam Serena Madam was Serena. actually pretty famous because she'd already done Poltergeist and Sixteen Candles and stuff. Are you were asking me how much did it? Uh, how much? How much? How much do you think it made? <laughs> yeah, five hundred thousand dollars. It made $25,000. Shut your mouth. Specifically (laughs) $27,843. That's like less than an electric car. It made like a Nissan Altima. Yeah, like at the time, (laughs) if you got a really good round of Plinko in on The Price is Right, you could make more than this movie made in its entire box office run. That kind of makes me sad, and it also makes me realize the whole reason anybody remembers this movie is HBO. Right. Because this was an HBO staple. I mean, they played it probably four days a week around Halloween time, you know, and multiple times a day. And they're doing it now, by the way. It hasn't stopped. (laughs) I know. I watched it on HBO Max, and it really did my heart good, where I was like, it's coming full circle. Yay. 27K? Brooke. 
when we went and saw, and we we talk about this more in the episode that I just mentioned on Dawn on the Coast, when we went and saw the drag version of this at yes. the Castro Theater, I'm sure they made more than $27,000. Right. <laughs> <laughs> on that. Oh, dang. That's probably true. But the way that it has become this cult classic, a lot of the reviews that I've seen, and of course, I can't find the specific one I was looking for right now, but it was something about like, there are movies that are bad. There are movies that are so bad that they're good. And then there's Teen Witch. <laughs> Which is in a class of its own. It really is. Because you can't... I wouldn't say that it's so bad that it's good. Because I don't think the word good in any <laughs> sort of way that you can stretch it would really be applied to this movie. But it does have some very strong <laughs> traits that are noteworthy. Strong you don't traits Teen that Witch. are noteworthy. <laughs> Dang. Okay, so this brings me to one of my observations about this movie, which is Teen Witch is like if you asked AI to write a movie, an 80s movie about a teen witch. This is what AI would do. So like it's not good. I think you're giving AI a little bit too much credit. <laughs> it's not good, it's not bad. It's just like a whole bunch of tropes that you understand get like slightly twisted and exploded. You know, all the, yeah. all the tropes that you've come to understand, they get just kind of thrown together like a Jackson Pollock painting. That's Teen Witch. Yeah. You just chuck a bunch of shit at the wall and um, there's a lot sticks. of damage. <laughs> and stuff, some stuff sticks and, and it leaves you with an impression. It surely does. Speaking of tropes, I'm sure there are people listening to this right now that have not had the, I was going to say the pleasure, but the experience yes, of watching the Teen Witch. life changing journey that is Teen Witch. Give me a synopsis of this movie. How do you describe <laughs> this movie could, to someone who's I never mean, seen it? Uh, teen Witch, first of all, I want to say Teen Witch is like if you took Footloose, Teen Wolf, best little whorehouse in Texas, a skosh of that, put it in a blender and just like throw it on the ground. That's Teen Witch. <laughs> throw it on the ground. Just dump it out on the ground <laughs> and, and dance walk on away. It. Throw some glitter <laughs> on it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> So that's my that's my impressionistic explanation of Teen Witch. Apparently, it was pitched as a response to Teen Wolf. Yeah, as sure. like a female response to Teen Wolf. Yeah, and you yeah. can see that in the ostensible theme of like puberty and like what yeah, happens and the plot. And the with- plot. Yeah, <laughs> it just makes me realize that like Teen Wolf is a significantly better movie, and Teen Wolf <laughs> is a bad movie. <laughs> I mean. It's great in how bad it is, but it's bad. It's sort of like Teen Wolf is my buddy and Teen Witch is kid sister. Yeah. They're like, let's just make this for the ladies. It's a puberty story. What do girls want to hear when they go through puberty? They want to hear about how it's so important to be the most popular girl. And that they like boys. Yeah, that they like boys. How would you describe the plot itself besides the impression that it gives you? Well, the plot is actually pretty simple. You have... A nerdy teen. Her name is Louise. Um, You know, she's got a perfectly fine life, right? She's got this, like, perfect house in the suburbs and a nice family. An annoying little brother, but, you know, no major... A vile creature for a a brother. (laughs) We'll get into him. We're going to do He's, like, the most vile character I've ever seen on screen. (laughs) You're a dog! You're a dog! (laughs) He's 
not okay. You see him. You're not okay. The intro of the brother is he is shoveling cake from a box sort of into his mouth with his hands under her, under her bed while he's reading her diary. Right. Okay, so she's got, you know, a bad little brother. She's kind of a nerd. She has a best friend. And she goes to a psychic. And discovers that on her 16th birthday, she's going to step into her powers because she is dun, 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 a witch. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then she uses her powers to become the most popular girl at school. And she wins over her longtime crush, Brad, who I will basically describe as a low-rent Tom Cruise. It is giving Tom Cruise. Yes. It's like, do you remember those little, you'd get like the little capsules and they would have of like little. <laughs> you put them in water? Where, you put them in water yeah, and then like a, put then a, a grown Cruise Tom Cruise. Cruise. <laughs> and you get this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. So the low rent Tom Cruise falls for her. And then in the end, she decides that. You know, she actually just wants to be herself. She doesn't want to use her powers to be popular. She gives up her powers in the end and she gets the guy anyway. What have I missed? <laughs> You've missed a lot and also nothing. Um, <laughs> this is like uh, 10,000 feet. You know, this is what? the plain view. You can't God. see any of the raps. You can't see any of the musicals. That's the thing, too. It's also a musical, kind of. With like three songs, you know. But the songs... Oh, the songs. Because they're not just songs. You also have song and dance numbers that come up out of nowhere. Yes. I Like Boys. Let's talk about I Like Boys. It's a stunner. Like Whiplash. Okay. So in my opinion, I Like Boys is definitely a ripoff of the best little whorehouse scene in the Aggie locker room. 100%. What is most disturbing to me about I Like Boys is watching actresses Dancing around talking about, like, giving up mud pies. The lyrics? The lyrics, yes. Are bananas. Okay. <laughs> bananas. Can I, <laughs> can I read oh, some of them. this yes, to you? Please. Oh, goodness, <laughs> yes. So, so this happens early. I, I would say, yes. if you watch one thing from Teen Witch, it's got to be I Like Boys, I think. I think or, this- or the Top That Rap, which we'll get to. But I would yeah, say I, I Like mean, Boys is or the thing. Top That Rap. If you watch anything from Teen Witch, the musical numbers. Yes. I think if you boil, if you edited Teen Witch down to just the musical numbers. You got a pretty good movie on your hands. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's. You have uh, like a TikTok sensation, at least. Everybody would be doing the I Like Boys, you know, million different chances to I Like Boys. I'm really glad that the very first time that I saw, because I saw Teen Witch for the first time in the Castro Theater. Right at the drag performance and you see the drag performance of it before you see the movie. So I had already seen the drag parody of Teen Witch before I saw Teen Witch. Yes. And I have to say, watching a bunch of men dressed as women doing I Like Boys. It's fantastic. Two massive thumbs up. It is screaming for a gender bending parody. Like it's the only way that this movie gets saved. It feels good in your heart if you watch it from that perspective. Oh my goodness. Who plays Robin Lively? Which drag queen do you think? Jinx Monsoon. Jinx is very witchy. Yeah. Yes. So anyways, you see this very early on in the movie and she, uh, Teen Witch, 
is in the locker room at school and she's wearing like her big oversized sweatshirt because she dresses like her and her best friend kind of dress like elderly men in the 50s or something. Yes, big sort of trench coats. Yeah, like heavy winter wear. Long woolen skirts. So she's just completely covered and uh, is watching the popular girls just dance around in the locker room as you do. Here was the strong plot point to tie it all together. In the beginning, they said, hey, cheerleaders, check out our new cheer. And it's like, hey, cheerleaders, I got the new cheer. So fab. That's how it starts. It's just like, we just, we it's, it's the 80s. They're doing some money laundering. They need to get some scantily clad women out of it. So like, can we talk about in the cut way. of the leotards? The, oh, French the, the, cut leotards. Oh, thank you. I knew you would have the word. I was like, Brooke is yeah, going to be yeah, able to yeah. catch this word. I have no idea what it is, but it's like, it really highlights the pubic region. Uh, you know, it makes them look like a Barbie. It makes you uncomfortable in a lot. Again, <laughs> watching these 80s movies that we grew up with, I'm like, you're talking groomers now? Right. You're talking inappropriate sexualization of children now? Let's rewind it a little bit and take a look at what we were raised in. Yeah, this is like a babysitter's club wearing a sandwich board. What, what was on it? Kids for rent or something? <laughs> right. Kids for like, sale? Well, I can't remember what was on the sandwich board. It was but... not good. Yeah. It was it was concerning. And so, so it was is this CPS element support. of Team Witch. Yes, yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so all of these cheerleaders in very high-cut leotards, all wearing purple. You notice there is the shade of purple that seems to be representing women in a way in this. Mm. Like, they all wear purple except for Louise. She's wearing her blue oversized sweatshirt, so showing that she is separate from them. So they all start dancing and like a choreographed dance, like it's very how in the Barbie movie, they're like, oh, what are you doing? It's like, you know, not much. My friends are just going to come over and we're all going to do like a choreographed dance routine. That's what happens in I Like yes. Boys. And the lyrics are, I'm giving up my hopscotch. I'm giving up my toys. I'm putting on my lipstick to attract some boys. <laughs> I'm making no more mud pies. I'm staying out of the dirt. I'm going to buy some nylons and a leather mini skirt. Those are the lyrics. It's very, here's your gender role to play. Um, (laughs) Pump it in your head. And then they're doing these weird dances that was very reminiscent of The Breakfast Club. That dance scene in the library where they all get high and dance strangely. That's basically what happens in this, but you don't see them getting high ahead of time, so you have no idea where this came from. The fact that this was written by somebody named Vernon Zimmerman is really Mm. shining through in some of these scenes. He's like, girls, let me think, girls. What goes down in a girl's locker room? Mud pies, right. Girls love mud pies, toys. Basically, like, don't do anything tomboyish. Don't play. You're just going to be putting on some makeup and attracting boys. Yes. Yeah. And they're so happy about it that they just got to (laughs) dance and doing some strange sort of slapstick. It's a real treat. Oh, that's right. They have have a moment where they're doing some slapstick with towels. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this movie was storyboarded. (laughs) I kind of don't think it even had an actual script. No. I think they just showed up and just winged it. Let's see what's going to (laughs) happen. What could go wrong? We got two and a half million dollars. 
We're going to pocket about half of that. The other <laughs> right. half goes to Zelda. Let's hey, just see I what happens. So. I hope she got paid. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So I like boys. I do think that probably is the highlight of the movie. Mm-hmm. Do you think we should talk about Top That now? Which I think is the other highlight. How can you not talk yeah, about Top no. That? So people may have seen Top That because Top That actually has gone around pretty virally on the YouTubes. So it's possible you've seen Top That. I feel like I had seen it before, but I had mm-hmm. no context for it. So it was the one part that when I saw the movie, I was like, this is ringing some bells for me. Yes. If you haven't seen it, how would you describe Top That? Well, there is this sort of crew of white, painfully white, well, well two painfully white and then one kind of like vaguely Italian looking guy. <laughs> Again, written by <laughs> Vernon Zimmerman. <laughs> Yeah, so there's like three white guys and they they kind of speak in raps. But the funny thing about their raps, by the way, I've noticed is that they never do it live. All the raps are recorded, even when they just do a little bit of rap here and there. It's like dubbed in, which tells you this is way out of their wheelhouse. Most of the movie is dubbed in. My my favorite is when she's going to try to find Madame Serena. Like she's trying to go back when her she realizes that her powers are so strong that she effectively like vaporized the nerd that was sexually assaulting her. (laughs) And she's who is driving under the influence and sexually assaulting her. Correct. Right. Don't worry. It's played for laughs. (laughs) Yeah. He's the comic relief. (laughs) Speaking of the, uh, 80s kid to therapist pipeline. Um, But she's like running to try to see if Madame Serena can help her. And you just see it's like very Benny Hill almost. Like you see her. Yeah. It's giving that. What if they did the whole movie to Benny Hill? I'm I'm into it. It'd be better than the script. Just that music in the background would certainly be better than the dialogue. Yeah, you can you can very much tell that the entire thing is being dubbed over. Like her mouth is not moving when it gets close. And it's great. It's fantastic. $27,000 for the box office for a reason. So these three young pre-Eminem white rappers. Rockapella. Rockapella. From Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Oh, I You know, see. the acapella yes. group? It's yeah, basically right. them. <laughs> So funky. <laughs> oh, Lord. So Louise's best friend has a thing for the Italian guy. And Louise at this point is fully into her powers and she's biking along with her friend. And her friend is basically talking about how she likes this kid and, oh, she could never, you know, talk to him or step to him. And so Louise puts a spell on her where the friend is like an amazing rapper. And so these three guys are just standing in front of a car in a boo box singing, top that, I don't really give up about trying to top that. She comes in, raps. They have some sort of like mini rap battle. Yeah, it's a little Jets and Sharks. Yeah, very Jets and Sharks. And boom, she's in. Although I don't think she actually dates the guy. She just has a good moment with him. I don't know. I guess that's enough. Yeah, she just throws down in a rap street battle with the whitest guys you've ever seen in your life who are wearing pleated pants and are like... (laughs) Doing some weird, like, swing your arms really wide and step your foot in front of it. I mean, what clearly happened was they, you know, paid someone or didn't pay someone to, like, have a two-hour workshop with these guys where they're like, here's, like, three moves you could do where your body is kind of moving to this music in a vaguely rap way. 
<laughs> right, what Vernon so, Zimmerman thinks of as right. bad. <laughs> so it is like comically bad. It is comically <laughs> bad. Like that 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 is the moment I think where the movie gets so bad it's good. Yeah. Because yeah. they just they go for it. It's hard to watch. It's hard <laughs> yes. to watch the first time. You're just afraid something's going to go very wrong. It's kind of like the first time I watched Big Lebowski. I loved it later. But the first time I was like, this is going to go off the rails. I'm nervous for this guy. I know. I know. The first time I watched Top That, it was just, if you've ever said to yourself, I'm an empath. If you've ever found yourself saying those words, I'm an (laughs) empath. I think you're going to have a hard time watching Top That. Because everyone involved, you can tell, is so uncomfortable. With what they've been asked to do. It, <laughs> and they're trying to sell it's it. Kind of, but it's kind hurting. of like the birth of cringe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, they know it. This is like cringe Big Bang. It's the it's like the Big Bang theory for cringe. Top that. Yeah. I think the people involved in this movie know what they're dealing with. And they're just trying to get through the end of the day. And I can relate. In a lot of ways, <laughs> I can relate to that. So <laughs> watching Top That, just, you know, fair warning. But... Watch it again, knowing that it has become this like cultural touchstone. And so it's okay. As opposed to if there were some scenes that get worse upon reviewing. I think I know you might be talking about the abandoned building. Oh my God, KK. Yeah, this was troublesome. I literally had to watch it through my fingers. I was just like, I can't like... I was cringing so hard and I've seen it. And so, you know, it's coming and you're just like, fuck the hey, sex Why don't you describe, coming. why don't you describe the horror? Let me try. Cause it is, it's a horror movie. Like that <laughs> segment comes from a horror movie. I mean, I can show you my notes where <laughs> I write in all caps, I bright see red. red. I can't watch. It's too cringe. It hurts. Oh, my God. There is so much tongue. Oh, my God. There was so much tongue. There was so much tongue. And do you know how old they were? I think she was probably pretty young. So she was 16 at the oldest. Wait, because what? Wait, what? Mm-hmm. She was 16 years old filming this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So Robin Lively, who plays Louise, a.k.a. Teen Witch, was born in 1972, and this movie came out in 1989. So she would have been 16 filming this. Oh, my goodness. This is so much more disturbing than I initially thought. How old do you think Brad is? I mean, he seems a little bit older to me. That motherfucker is 25 years old. I was going to say 24. That was going to be my guess. Frenching a 16-year-old. A 16-year-old. Aggressively. It is an extended scene. It goes on for a long time, and that camera gets up close. Yeah, yeah. It's very disturbing. That's not standard operating procedure. I'll tell you that much. The tongue like that? Not standard in no, these movies, no, no. particularly no, no, for no. child actresses. Yeah, that's that's creeps. It's gross. And it takes place in this, like, dilapidated murder house. <laughs> yeah. That he has her, like, That hike. he clearly, this is his jam. You know, I mean, obviously this is his jam. He's done it a million times before. It was what I was taking from this. There was, like, a whole shtick to it. This is his murder house where he takes his, like, Underage. young victims. Yeah, girls. Yeah. He takes girls. Children. Right. And he has her, like, in heels and a skirt, like, hiking 
hiking through sun. Why would you hike through sunflowers? <laughs> that seems like not the best trail to take. No. Um, no. To get to this like mold infested, falling down shack that he like runs away to the top and like looks down at her from the attic and is like, come catch me. And she and does he's in a weird uh, footloose tank top at this point. Yeah, he he's like gone strips. from a regular shirt to a footloose tank top. You know, and let's also talk about the fact that like he has a car. Go drive somewhere private in your car. You don't have to go to a murder house. He has a car that is a most 80s moment. It's a Ford. I don't know what kind of Ford it is, but it's some sort of Ford convertible. In the uh, YA of the 80s world, it's Bruce Patman from Sweet Valley High. Yes. This guy was built in a laboratory to play Bruce Patman, but he didn't quite have the chops. So he got kicked into the uh, the money laundering of, uh, of teen D-list movies. <laughs> that is Teen Witch. Yeah, and, you know, the fact that it's sort of this Ford convertible tells you that they laundered the money because, you know, Jake Ryan from 16 Candle, he got a real Porsche. This guy's getting a crappy Ford. Oh, we gotta we gotta track down where that money went. We gotta go see that pipeline. This is now I, becoming I a crime tr- podcast. <laughs> it's a true crime podcast <laughs> where we trace where we chase down <laughs> the money that was laundered <laughs> in bad the eighties in the bad eighties movies of our youth. That actually wow. sounds sick. I'm into that. <laughs> it does it does it that does. sounds really fun? So yeah, that scene. That's the flip side of the cringe that you get from Top That. Top yes. That is good cringe. Murder House is bad cringe. Horror cringe. And both exist in the world that is Teen Witch. It's yes. the duality it of multitude. life. The duality yeah. of cringe. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know how we talk about dialectics all the time? That's Teen Witch <laughs> written all over it. It is dialectics. Yeah. Oh. To get back to a, uh, a more positive side of Teen Witch, let's talk more about some of the other songs. <laughs> okay. We already covered I Like Boys. Top mm-hmm. that. There's one mm-hmm. other star-studded hit. I think there are two other ones. Oh, do you share? Well, what's yours? Most popular girl. The most popular. The most girl. popular girl. Yeah, I think yeah. that's sort of like the you know that would have been the radio hit had any of these songs been even close to a radio hit. <laughs> these are not radio caliber songs. No, but in a way, if they were radio caliber songs, they would be forgettable. Yes, these are unforgettable because they're so. This song was written for a soundtrack. Well, that's what I'm saying. The whole movie's like an AI wrote it. Yeah. Okay. So, what's the other one? What? But I want to hear. I want to hear your number two. Never gonna be the same again. <laughs> yeah. So it's the song that plays at the intro, right? When which we didn't even talk about the intro. So I have to say, I was so fucking confused when we watched this movie for the first time, KK, and we're sitting there. Like, is in this the a porn? Room. I'm telling you, it is like Skinamax. Yes. It is like, is this the intro for, do you remember the show on USA? It's like Silk Stockings. There were these like <laughs> USA up all night, like <laughs> shows I did not for watch Silk Stockings, sadly. <laughs> I didn't watch it either, but I knew it existed. It was one of those things where like you would watch USA up all night and they would start with a movie that was kind of like, it was like a cult classic, but then it would lead into like, if USA could show porn. It, it would be that. what it would yeah. be. And well, it that's was exactly like... the music that that's exactly the sort of <laughs> sexy sax sexy with such big quotes, because to me, there's nothing <laughs> right, sexy what, about sax. But... What Vernon Zimmerman thought was sexy. Well, right. Right. This is what Mrs. Zimmerman. Mrs. Zimmerman is getting. 
No, <laughs> right? on Saturday night. Think, I'm sorry. The fact that a movie called Teen Witch was written by somebody named Vernon Zimmerman is just so funny <laughs> to me. It will never not be funny. <laughs> like, what does Vernon Zimmerman know about what it's like to be a teenage girl? Please. And a witch. We don't know that. That much we don't know. What happened yeah. to the rest of the money? Mm-hmm. You know, we'll get into that because Madame Serena is a counterfeiter. And we don't go deep enough into that in this movie. But um, yeah, so the intro, I was extremely confused because I was like, where the fuck is this coming from? Because I had just seen the whole drag parody. And now all of a sudden I'm watching what seems like... Well, let me describe it. Let me describe it. So basically... please. (laughs) Try. (laughs) Give give it a go, my friend. I believe in you. Okay, so basically... All you hear is this, like, really creepy, quote-unquote, sexy sax, and then you see sort of, like, fabric flowing. The purple fabric of womanhood. That's right. And then you sort of just see Louise, right? Louise is kind of just standing there dramatically. She's in yeah. She's in heels. You know, her hair is, like, done up perfectly, per- perfectly for the 80s. She's got makeup on. It's very glamour shots. And yes. she's wearing a red corset and a red corseted miniskirt. <laughs> right. It's all red. And red heels. It's all red and Red mini- heels, and of red course. Heels. And it's basically just what you kind of figure out is like an extended kind of dream fantasy scene where Louise is kind of just tromping around in this sexy outfit with Brad kind of standing near her, flirting with her. They're They're on a rooftop. It's on the roof at night of a building. And then they start like tangoing on a ledge. But like he's kind of crouching like an animal. It's it's very predatory. Yeah, it's very much like she is being pursued. Yes. I'm concerned for her. I'm not excited for her. <laughs> no, but I also want to point out it is clear that the makers of this movie are intending this to be a female fantasy. Absolutely. So, like, we we are interpreting this as, like, very predatory and creepy and missing the mark, but it is clear that what it's supposed to be is Louise, like, Brad is the best. And, like, Brad is, like, the dream man that you couldn't even imagine getting any better. It's a male fantasy of a female fantasy. Correct. It's just like Charlene. It's very Charlene. <laughs> yes! Oh, my God. Oh my god. In case god, you don't Charlene. know, Charlene is the I think we've talked about it before, the beautiful song. I've been to paradise. We need to do an entire episode on Charlene. Sure. Or just karaoke it in the middle. Boom. <laughs> but anyway, Charlene was written also by, you know, some middle-aged man. And it is a fantasy of like his idea of what his mistress thinks of her life. And what she is saying when she runs into his wife at the grocery store. Right. Which is like, I wish I had your life instead of my shitty mistress life. Hey lady. <laughs> you, you lady. Cursing at your life. life. Oh, we can go all day long. Discontented mother. And a rich American wife. (laughs) I just, I honestly cannot, almost can't stop doing the rest of the song. This is like. I know, I know. This is going to go off the rails real quick. Um, (laughs) We're on the rails. Sure. On the rails with just Charlene karaoke. Anyway, point being, this is this class of uh, art that you and I have sort of spotted as middle-aged men imagining what's in females minds either their mistresses or their teen daughters i like to call it fart you know <laughs> it's called fart it's called fart it's we're just... fart scholars uh right this is gonna right. be a new branch opening up at uh, wesleyan next year <laughs> right we are visiting fart scholars 
Or fart it, fartist in residence. <laughs> fartist in residence. <laughs> yes, obviously. Yeah, it's the it's the faux female fantasy art, aka fart, fart. Um, because it makes me just like the only thing that I <laughs> that I think of when I watch it is I just hear a giant fart rip in my head. Like, uh, here we go again. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's what we think. That was Vernon Zimmerman's done with fantasies. my hands. I just want you to know. I think I just blew out my microphone, but it's going to be fun to edit that. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> good luck, friend. <laughs> I believe in you. Thank anyway, you. so that's the fantasy sequence, and then she wakes up. She wakes up from the fantasy sequence, and now she's like a geeky sixteen-year-old, and the brother is under the bed scarfing cake into his face while reading her journal while she's having this dream. By the way. Right. And then he starts relating her fantasies about Brad back to her, reading from her diary about this. And the diary entry ends up getting handed in as homework. And then her very violating teacher reads it out loud and she is shamed in front of. So again, it's like, what is a teen girl's biggest fantasy? And what is a teen girl's biggest fear? Biggest nightmare. According to Vernon Zimmerman. Oh, Vernon. Oh, Vernon. Vernon. So Never Gonna Be the Same Again, I think, is a jam as well. And it comes up again later. I don't quite remember the. Never gonna be the same same again. again. Never gonna be the The same same again. again. Yeah, nice. It's an interpolation of Into the Groove. It is. Yes, you've nailed it. It's Into the Groove. It's got that percussion. It's got exactly the Into the Groove percussion. Nice. Yeah. And it is performed by, is it Shanna? I think it's Shauna. Shauna, who is the teen dream performer. Like she's, I don't know yes. if she's supposed to be like Madonna. Yeah, like maybe like Madonna. Madonna. I think maybe Madonna crossed with the lead singer Debbie from Gibson. the Bangles. Or David. Oh, Gibson. yeah. Yes. Susanna Hoff. Yeah, I could see that. She is wearing a fierce outfit, I have to say. Yes, yes. She gives Louise a jean jacket that is pretty fierce. Right, because to be the most popular girl, so to back up, She discovers her witch powers when she is riding home from, I don't know. It's the timing in this is all very confusing. You know, just let it wash over you. You I don't think it works very hard for the uh, congruity. Don't worry about it. No, the the attire, like people are simultaneously dressed for different seasons at the same (laughs) time. There are unexplained Christmas trees up sometimes. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes it's the harvest dance, but then it's like prom. This is a separate universe. Uh, it's, it's like <laughs> this is postmodernist. Universe. This is like Virginia Woolf Faulkner level art. You can't. <laughs> right. You can't question it. It's just moving through timelines. Right. Right. After I like boys, then she goes out and she sees Brad practicing for football practice or something, but like. That scene is very strange where he's just like, it's very phallic. It is like train going into the tunnel yes. level of subtlety level where subtlety, you have yes. him just throwing a he ball takes off through his a shirt. tire over yeah, and, and over he's doing and over He's just railing this ball through a tire. <laughs> and now that we've seen the way that he kisses, I think that's probably pretty accurate. Oh my God. So, so she's like, <laughs> your face. It, it, it's like 
I don't know if this is all supposed to be in the same day, but basically she gets humiliated at school with her crush on Brad being revealed. And then she goes into the locker room where everyone likes boys and they're all like dancing. Then she feels awkward. And then she goes out and she sees Brad basically try out for a Cialis commercial. And that (laughs) makes her feel things, I guess. And then after football practice... Oh, and don't forget, he peeps her in the end. He peeps her a little bit watching him. So further humiliation. Right. So she shuffles away. She's kind of creepy. She's like creeping. She's like Homer Homer going back into the bushes. She really, <laughs> right. Or like Nosferatu kind of <laughs> melting into the shadows. <laughs> she, she does have a very creeper moment. That's true. Yeah. And like she's wearing, she's totally wearing like her like old man pervert coat at the time. <laughs> she basically so, borrowed Zimmerman's wardrobe. Yeah, It's exactly. like, you know what? Let's save some money. Let's embezzle a little bit more. Just give her my clothes. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I don't know anything about Vernon Zimmerman. I don't know anything. I'm not claiming to know anything. But if you look at this through the lens of what Vernon Zimmerman might have been feeling in high school. It takes a different Whoa. tone and is perhaps so why Witch it is works Vernon as a drag Zimmerman. performance so much better. Dang. I'm just saying right. it's worthy of investigating. Yes. Along with where the $2.5 million went that supposedly <laughs> was required to make this movie. I don't believe it. So after the Cialis commercial, then... He goes in, they're trying out for a role in the school play. After football practice, which usually (laughs) ends at like 7 p.m. So I don't know. (laughs) One thing that I know is that the star of the football team is definitely going to be going out for a lead role (laughs) in the school play at the same time. So she is trying out to be his love interest in the school play, which also involves like making out in the audition or almost making out in the audition in front of everyone, which is not how auditions go. But... And she doesn't get it, but she is cast as like the assistant costume mistress or something. Sure. But then later she's somehow the understudy. I don't know if you caught that. Sure. It's it's all. <laughs> sure. Sure, Teen Witch. Again, we give up. In we the give world up. of Teen Witch, everything and nothing is possible all at once. <laughs> right. Basically, Teen Witch is Russia. I read a book about Russia called, never mind. I'm not even. Teen Witch is Russia. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the book was called everything is possible nothing is real mm. so this is teen witch it was a book about russia but this is actually a book about teen witch everything is possible nothing oh. is real oh and our 80s childhood was it all to get us so disoriented that we don't know what reality like we don't think that reality even exists ergo we can be persuaded as well like boys. into atrocities that we see like throughout Teen Witch. Yes. I think we, we've, okay. we're back to the crime podcast. Yeah. You really can't get away from it. Okay. So she was trying out for the play. She gets cast as the, what, assistant costume person you said? Yeah. By Mrs. Krabappel. <laughs> yeah. And Mrs. Krabappel plays like the drama teacher. <laughs> Who finds the amulet. So her her amulet that gives her the powers is found by Mrs. Krabappel in the school costume closet. Right. Correct. And <laughs> the lines are just, again, I don't see a world where this was scripted. Hit us with it. She says to her at one point, just from out of nowhere, we have no idea that she has any relationship with Mrs. Krabappel. But she turns to her, she's like, ah, Miss Malloy, I love you. 
And Mrs. Krabakwell turns and says, Darling, all the world's a stage. <laughs> How do, what? And then, and, then, and then she finds this, this amulet and she goes, I've never seen this before. Take a look, dear. It's very old. I think you should keep it. It will give you luck. So that's how she, she finds the amulet. acquires the source of her powers, which is this yes. amulet, this piece of costume jewelry. They're like, take a look. It's very old. And it's like, take a look. I got it at Claire's. <laughs> you got that at Claire's. It was in a grab it was bag. $2.99. That was on sale right. for 99 cents. <laughs> but she is all upset that she doesn't get cast. And she's like riding her bike home, I guess, and gets run off the road by Brad, who is driving his hunk machine. Yeah. Hunk machine. Perfect. Ford Hunkola. And Randa, his girlfriend, is like making out with him. And he's like so distracted by how his girlfriend is making out with him while he's driving that he runs her off the road on her bike. And um, he's like, can I take you home? She says, no, I'm fine. She's not fine. Her tire is flat or broken or whatever. She stumbles upon Madame Serena's house in the woods and uh, goes there looking for help. But Madame Serena is like, I'm going to scam you. And so she tries to scam her out of $6. And then as she starts to read her hand, uh, read her palm, she's like, one of us, one of us. One of us. And then it's on. Yeah. She literally says, you're not a mark. You're one of us. Subtle. So Madame Serena is a scammer. Yes. She's a scammer who actually is a witch, but she's a but witch has no who powers. uses her powers for scamming. Yes. She gets all excited about having a new partner in crime here. She literally says to her, we can even make our own money. Yes. And then goes and gets her to like turn a lump of coal into a stack of 20s. Louise gets freaked out and tries to leave. And she shouts out after her. She's like, Louise, I know all about what it's like at school. People treat you like a little girl. We can change all that. Make them respect you. And then she starts talking about how there's someone you want to get back on with me in your corner. They won't have Louise to kick around anymore. This is some MAGA shit. <laughs> Madame Whoa. Serena Whoa. is MAGA. Whoa. It's concerning. Dang. And she literally gets all excited when um, it seems to have resonated with Louise. And she goes back. And she just starts dancing and she's singing about money. <laughs> money, she's money, dancing. money, money. I, I know. And because she freaks out after she says to Louise, want to try hundreds? And that's when <laughs> yep. Louise freaks out. So the whole thing is to get Louise enlisted in this scam to counterfeit more money, AKA Teen Witch 2. Dang. Let's see uh, how much Madame more Serena money is can MLM. This is like an original ML- MLM, right? It's. Yeah. Pseudo spirituality and let's make some money. Right. I also just have to say that I think I think Serena, Madam Serena kind of makes the movie for me. There's something about having this actress in the movie where it is like the only kind of creepy Halloween type chops that this movie has at all because she's from Poltergeist and she was phenomenal in Poltergeist. She's a good actress. Yeah. And by the way, I think Robin Lively is very good, too. For her age, you know, for like a 16-year-old, I think she's phenomenal. And I think she plays geek 
to popular girl, like actually pretty, pretty well. It's actually pretty impressive. Yeah. But she's like, what they imply as a, is a geek. I'm like, that's, she's never really. It's geeky. 80s. She's just wearing like military surplus clothing. <laughs> and Vernon Zimmerman's like, you know, walkabout outfit. That that to me, you know, I had a bunch of 80s moments and that was one of my 80 moments was like, oh, she's supposed to be ugly, I guess. And a geek, even though Robin Lively is stunningly pretty and like right. perfect looking. And then all of a sudden they put her in a tutu and like tease up her hair. And now she's supposed to be hot. That's very 80s. So many tutus and the hair. So many tutus. Oh, the hair. I actually, I drew the hair because yes. I didn't know how to describe the hair. You know, it's just kind of like, like you can see the squiggles. I wish our listeners could see this <laughs> rendering because it's true that you can't describe 80s hair. You just have to see it with your eyes. You have to, yeah. You have, and your soul. Right, right. The, the human language has not yet evolved to a point <laughs> that makes it possible to properly convey the glory of 80s hair. In particular, yeah, late eighties hair. Night, yeah, that switch over into the nineties was a that was a rough switch. It was a rough switch for the hair. I mean, you get the scene where Polly. So she falls out with Polly after she becomes the most popular girl because the secret. So she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to do a love potion on Brad. She wants Brad to fall for her, but she wants her to fall for her for who she is, not because she like tricked him into falling for her. And she right. finds out based on her friendship with Brad as Brad is using her as a tutor, basically, that the thing that is really important is, you know, you have to go for the most popular girl. Right. Like that's a, that's a literal exchange that they have. She's like, cause every cool guy needs a popular girl. It's in the song. It's <laughs> yeah. in the song, yo. I, you can't argue what's in a song. That comes from, I'm going to be the most popular girl. Okay. Just like top that has gone viral. I think I'm going to be the most popular girl needs to go viral just for how 1989 it is. I totally agree. It is so 1989. Yes. So much in there. Like the funky rapper comes through on the back of a convertible rapping about how every cool guy needs a popular girl as she's Obviously. walking and like crowds of people are following her. And it's like a shampoo commercial. There's a lot of just like cut asides and she's just like shaking her hair. For no reason whatsoever. It's just because she's popular. Oh, the montage. The montage in this movie, it goes head to head with any 80s montage. Fight me. Fight me. You won't change my mind. This montage is is the chef's kiss of 80s magic. The I'm going to be the most popular girl one, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically like scene after scene of her just walking in different (laughs) places, being adored. There's signs all up that says Louise Mania. Like, who's going to put that up? Why are you going to make a sign that says Louise? Who made that sign? It's all markers on poster board. And right. they're just taped up everywhere. And she it's goes. like, I love Louise. Louise Mania. <laughs> and she wears a series of different vests and tutus. It's yes. so great. And yeah. they're all just walking behind her, cheering her on. And she's just yeah. walking and like shaking her hair and... The hair is very permed at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's very red, very permed. So she's got bangs, but she also has half of it's like a it's like a quarter ponytail. It's like you took if you were to divide the top of your head into like four quadrants and just took like the right frontmost quadrant and then pull it straight up and have this kind of like spigot that it comes out of. 
And so I'm dying like, laughing. I can't stop laughing at you. Like how many words you need to describe this? <laughs> so I had to like draw it. Destroying me with with joy and happiness right now because the hair is like it kind of defies gravity and also geometry. It's really amazing. And Polly is hurt. So her friend Polly, who does top that, is very, like, upset because all of the girls have stolen Louise's hair. Yes. She's a trendsetter, and that's a bad thing. There's a scene where she literally, Louise comes to sit next to her, and all the people that are worshipping Louise come jump into the table, and Polly literally gets knocked to the ground. Well, she was wearing a really good outfit. I get it. I would be like, I gotta know, where did you get that checkered skirt? This is where she has like a black leather vest, but then there's also a red silk shirt underneath it and a jacket and hair going in multiple directions. And I think that's where she's wearing the bolo tie. There are multiple oh, right. appearances there was of bolo, bolo ties. Tie. Brad's wearing a bolo tie at the Harvest Dance as well. Yeah, there's a lot of bolo ties in this. You know, Brad and the nerd, the sexual assaulting nerd, Both of them, in my opinion, you know, I heard once a drag queen say that lesbians basically just look like the coolest kid in your middle school. (laughs) And this is a movie where I'm like, hell yes. Like, they both look like really hot lesbians that you would, like, meet in Oakland. Right? Like, the hair, the, like, ducktail, the bolo ties, the bow ties, the, like, sweet pompadour. They're just hot lesbians, basically. We've seen this in drag. Now I think we need to see it like a drag king <laughs> version. Drag king version. Completely yes. gender bending. Or maybe you just have the drag queens play like Brad and the nerd guy. Yeah. But you could still have the women played by drag queens. I think it's perfect. There's levels to this. This is a rich yes. text. This is for our fart scholarship. It's a rich text with nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is possible. Nothing is true. <laughs> Yeah, we are back to Russia. It's so, this movie will disorient the hell out of you. You won't know what <laughs> happened. You're going to need some time to recover yeah. after watching Teen Witch. Yes. Um, you might want to schedule a session, an extra session with your therapist that yes. week. Um, there's a lot. Maybe in person unpack. if you can swing it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. The dancing in this is something that, we would be remiss not to talk about a little bit more, I think. Sure. Because sure. there's a lot of dancing. There's multiple dances that they go to, right? There's dancing happening in hallways and locker rooms. That's This is the Footloose. This is the skosh of Footloose. Right. There's a lot of dancing happening with really minimal choreography, was yes. my take on it. And um, next to no talent. And that makes it very special. <laughs> Although next to no talent, but my sense is that all the actors dancing like wanted to be dancers. Just like never actually made it happen. There are a lot of dads in the background. Truth. There are a lot of people at these high school dances that have absolutely no business being at a high school dance. And <laughs> I don't like the way that they're looking at Robin Lively as they shuffle awkwardly. <laughs> a lot of times they'll look directly into the camera. Right. I say when you watch the dance scenes, look in the background and just look at all of the people who are looking dead at the camera. It's so funny. Amazing. Even in the most popular girl where you've got the rappers come by on the back of the uh, on the back of the convertible. The Ford Honkola. 
the other guys sitting on the back of the convertible are so uncomfortable and they don't know what to do. So they're just like looking at the camera for direction of what to do and <laughs> just feel really bad for them. Oh, that's sad. They're probably not even getting paid, honestly. Maybe they got some pizza is my guess, but that's about it. A sandwich at Crafty. It's like when I went to Mori Povich. When I went to Mori Povich, you don't get paid, but they do give you pizza um, at lunchtime. Explains so much about that show. Yes. Just a bunch of hungry people. And it also people. explains so much about this movie. Explains so much about America. <laughs> We're not going to pay you, but you might get some pizza. <laughs> right. America. Right. <laughs> We're going to give you a lot of contradictory advice. We're just going to tell you, like, we're going to fucking wing it. We're going to tell you to get on your mark and you just fucking make it work. Rise and grind, baby. And uh, if you're lucky, you might get some pizza. But the rest of us that got the two point five million dollars, we're going to be we're going to be taking our our money and and going home. We're going to be kicking it over here in our overcoats. (laughs) Right. What did you have for 80 shit? I just had so much 80s shit. Bring it. Lay it on. I want to hear all of it. Again, I'm always looking at the decor, like the home. Yeah, I love it. You're so good for that. You have such a good eye for detail, and I never see any of that, so I'm always so glad when you bring it. Hideous wallpaper. The kitchen has wallpaper on the ceiling. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Dang, I didn't even notice that. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's upsetting. Um, Madam Serena, at the end, she like, they don't really explain it. Again, this isn't a good movie (laughs) where you have a logical plot or even an ostensible plot. But for some reason, Madame Serena has more money now at the end and redoes her house. She's got this like salmon and seafoam emporium, Madame Serena salmon and seafoam emporium. Very like designing women. At Louise's house, they've got some decorative chickens in their kitchen. I did notice the decorative chickens. We definitely had that growing up. Little things like that. We didn't have those in the Bronx for some reason. (laughs) Go figure. Go figure. Vernon Zimmerman must have also grown up in Iowa. (laughs) But just the whole focus on popularity. I mean, I think that was the most 80s moment, too, in that, like, she doesn't really learn anything, really. Or grow. No. Ostensibly, it is. It doesn't really matter how other people see you. What matters is how you see yourself. That that is the moral. That's what her dad says at the end to her. And then Madame Serena says something similar of like, the real magic is believing in yourself. If you do that, you can make anything happen. That is a very 80s message where it's like the power to do anything you want is within you. You just need to make it happen. But it wasn't actually in her. (laughs) Right. All of a sudden, like, she's the most popular girl because of magic, not because of anything that she did. She completely changes who she is. My take on it was this movie knew to fit the 80s trope that there had to be some sort of message, but there really was not any. No. It was just, like, a very half-hearted you know, they just kind of shat out something that was not even close to a real message because they felt like they had to because that's how 80s movies go. Somebody is trying for something and then they sort of learn and grow along the way that the thing they wanted, they didn't actually want. They wanted this deeper thing. So this movie didn't really have that, but it was like aware that it was supposed to. Right. So that's how we got the real magic is believing in yourself. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like she believed in herself any differently. She just did the magic spell, which was... You have to find the most popular girl. You have to get a piece of her clothing and you have to get one of her records. 
that was what she had to do. So that's why she went to, she like used her magic to get backstage in the wings of the stage of Shauna's concert. And Shauna comes over like mid-performance and is like, I'm so glad you're here. I really want you to have my lucky jacket. Here you go. And so she takes that and now she's the most popular girl because Madame Serena used the last of her powers to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So all she did is change her clothes. So it's about like, you just have to have the most popular girl's style and taste yes. in her clothing and her music. And then you'll be the most popular girl. And so she changed her style and taste. And now she's the most popular girl. Believe in yourself. Yes. Change change <laughs> your style and taste. <laughs> Yay! Yay! 80s. Like that is, you know, in my mind, this is why this makes this one of the most 80s movies ever made. Because it can't even, it's it's barely even fumbling towards some sort of message. Yeah. And instead, it's just the most like vapid message you could possibly imagine. You know that phrase, all hat and no cattle? This is all hat and no cattle. And the hat is a giant spigot (laughs) on the top of your perm. (laughs) And a tutu. (laughs) And right. the hat is a tutu. <laughs> it's all, all tutu, tutu no. no trench coat. <laughs> I don't know. We'll probably come up with something better, but it works for now. Sorry, I forgot to mention the lombada. The lombada was also in there at the end. That's very oh. 80s. Do you remember the lombada? <laughs> the forbidden dance? <laughs> the forbidden dance. The lombada, it was like, oh, even saying the word lombada, it's like, ooh, so sensual. Censor this. <laughs> All of the drunk dads at the Moonlight and Magic Dancer are watching oh, the no. uh, the Lombada oh, happening on the dance no. floor. So that's 80s. What did you have for most 80s? Well, I had white people trying to rap abysmally. You know, that was, that was that was an 80s trope. We had quite a bit of that in the 80s. Yeah, they still do that. They've just, some have gotten better. Sure, exactly, exactly. Over the decades. I also had a teacher disrobes in front of students and gets sent home. There's no CPS report or consequence of any kind. No, he just walks through a, uh, a car wash and his soul is cleansed, I guess. It's a voodoo doll. It's very strange. Everybody is laughing at the sexual humiliation and traumatization inflicted by a teacher. Yes. That's 80s. It, it is very 80s. Also, I had home economics. They were rocking a home economics class multiple times with big old sewing machines in the class. That Only feels the girls. very 80s. Only the girls, of course. All girls sewing. Although it is mixed when the sex ed. Yes. Sex ed comes into home economics. Yeah. What'd you think of that scene? (laughs) Well, again, to me, this is the 80s AI generative moment where they're just like, we got to have a scene about awkward teachers and sex. There you go. Yeah. The sex ed scene is the only time where the Italian guy actually raps live. So he Mm. clearly stayed up all night learning that one. Yeah, basically, it's the AI where you're just like, hey, AI, what are some synonyms for penis? And (laughs) it just starts rattling synonyms for penis, for sparky sperm and friends that target end of the egg. And did you notice how above end of the egg it says, hey, sailor? (laughs) No. (laughs) End of the egg is saying, hey, sailor. Zimmerman. Zimmerman, you're crazy. (laughs) And then they all just start chanting, condom. 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 What's happening? Yeah, I know. It's baffling. Like I'm saying, AI 80s moment. Um, I also had, we talked about this a little bit, the geek girl who's actually gorgeous and super hot, but she's a geek because, you know, she's in a trench coat or whatever, not wearing makeup or something. 
Yeah. Oh, and then Brad was rocking a Cosby sweater at one point. I don't know if you noticed that. There's a lot of Cosby sweaters. Yeah. The dad is also rocking Cosby sweaters a lot. Yes. I think most of the 2.5 million must have gone to the wardrobe <laughs> To budget. the Cosby sweaters. And by most, I mean. <laughs> right. $20. Um, <laughs> I do think that they did a pretty good job with the wardrobe. With, with Louise yeah. when she turns. How fun. Like, I would have taken that role just to yes. wear the clothes. Yes. Although, the minute they're like, make out in a murder barn, no. <laughs> no. There was no intimacy coordinator back then, as you can see Definitely from the not. murder barn scene. Jesus. Um, you know, although, and I also think she's kind of giving Stacy energy in some of those outfits, was my feel. For sure. Like, when she turns. Dawn and Stacy together would have loved Teen Witch. <laughs> yes. And Karen. <laughs> oh, Karen. The crossover episode where <laughs> Karen watches Teen Witch while Dawn and Stacy are babysitting, and then they have to try to deal with the fallout. Then she goes looking for uh, Madame Serena. She, like, won't give mm-hmm. up. Morbid of Destiny. Whoa. Dang. Yeah. I love it. There's potential here for sure. Oh, Teen Witch. What the fuck? Well, I would say to listeners... I know we've like roundly panned it, but it's really worth watching because it's just a part of 80s culture. And you have to understand that we took this in unironically. Again, therapist pipeline. This is a historical document. <laughs> this scene, is which a, is absolutely right. a historical document. <laughs> Anyone could watch this, I think, at any time from any culture and get a real nice snapshot into why things are fucked the way they are fucked today. Yes. It's all there in Teen Witch. Yes. And also specifically probably like why your parents are fucked. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. No. This was the kind of nonsense messaging we took in unironically. This is how we were parented, basically. You got to be the most popular girl. Yeah. You just got to. You got to like boys. You got to. Give up those mud pies. You got to. Bye mud pies. No more. (laughs) You got to. Zimmerman says there's no choice. Yeah. Well, that was... uh, That was certainly funky, as they say. Look at how funky this movie is. So I'm really delighted that we finally got to dive into Teen Witch because the very first time I saw it was with you. I don't, I I associate this movie with you so strongly. And I hope you take that as a compliment. Oh, I take it as the biggest compliment. And it all really came full circle to me when we saw it in the Castro and we got to meet Robin Lively and she was so lovely. She was such a lovely person and took a picture with me when I told her that this movie meant so much to me as a kid. She was gracious, gracious as hell, which is more than I can say about Teen Witch. Right. She seemed to be really loving the uh, enthusiastic reception that she received. I mean, I mean, who, who doesn't want to be sort of part of a drag experience like that? And to have... I don't know. I mean, it had to be over a thousand people there. Oh, definitely. It was it was lit up in there. Like people were so excited about Teen Witch. The gay men were like, they were there for it. It was there for them. You could tell. <laughs> it was there like, for them. It, <laughs> right. It was a mutual being there for. Love affair. <laughs> yeah. So I'm grateful for that. And you know what? It's also so nice to be back talking to you, friend. I know. I know. Hopefully we can... Uh, Keep this going at a more frequent pace than we have been. Yep. Thank you for everybody, too, that has reached out while we've been gone. Um, yes. We really appreciate that. We've really missed doing this and are hoping that we can 
come back more often. So more to come. Fingers crossed. Woohoo! But until then, it's 80 shit and it's lit. We're fartists in residence.